Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Give a warm welcome to any brother who wants to join you, even though his faith is weak. Don't criticize him for having different ideas from yours about what is right and wrong. Verse 2, for instance, don't argue with him about whether or not to eat meat that has been offered to idols. You may believe that there is no harm in this, but the faith of others is weaker. They think it is wrong and will go without any meat at all and eat vegetables rather than eat that kind of meat. Those who think it is all right to eat such meat must not look down on those who won't. And if you are one of those who won't, don't find fault with those who do, for God has accepted them to be his children. Verse 4. They are God's servants, not yours. They are responsible to him, not to you. Let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. God is able to make them do as they should. Some think that Christians should observe the Jewish holidays and special days to worship God. But others say it is wrong and foolish to go to all that trouble. For every day day alike belongs to God. On questions of this kind, everyone must decide for himself. If you have special days for worshiping the Lord, you are trying to honor him. You are doing a good thing. So is the person who eats meat and has offered, that has been offered to idols. He is thankful to the Lord for it. He is doing right. And the person who won't touch such meat, he too is anxious to please the Lord and is thankful. We are not our own bosses to live or die as we ourselves might choose. Verse uh, 8. Living or dying, we follow the Lord. Either way, we are his. Christ died and arose again for this very purpose, so that he can be our Lord both while we live and when we die. Verse 10, you have no right to criticize your brother or look down on him. Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. If it is written, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. Yes, each of us will give an account of himself to God. So don't criticize each other anymore. Try instead to live in such a way that you will never make your brother stumble by letting him see you do something he thinks is wrong. As for myself, I am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that there is nothing really wrong with eating meat that has been offered to idols. But if someone believes it is wrong, then he shouldn't do it, because for him it is wrong. And if your brother is bothered by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you go ahead and eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Don't do anything that will cause criticism against yourself, even though you know that was, uh, that you know that what you do is right. Verse 17. For after all, the important thing for us as Christians is not what we eat or drink, but stirring up goodness and peace and joy from the Holy Spirit. 
If you let Christ be Lord in your affairs, God will be glad, and so will others. In this way, aim for harmony in the church and try to build up each other. Don't undo the work of God for a chunk of meat. Remember that there is nothing wrong with the meat, but it is wrong to eat it if it makes another stumble. Verse 21. The right thing to do is to quit eating meat or drinking wine or doing anything else that offends your brother or makes him sin. You may know that there is nothing wrong with what you do, even from God's point of view. But keep it to yourself. Don't flaunt your faith in front of others who might be hurt by it. In this situation, happy is the man who does not sin by doing what he knows is right. But anyone who believes that something he wants to do is wrong shouldn't do it. He sins if he does. If he thinks it is wrong, and so for him it is wrong. Anything that is done apart from that which he feels is right is sin. Now, I titled the message this evening, Is It Right or Wrong? The dilemma of the early church centered around that very question. There were people who, in the church who believed that eating meat that had been offered to idols was wrong. You just do not eat meat offered to idols, they said. Others, including Paul, said, now there is nothing wrong with eating that meat that has been offered to idols because we know there is no such thing as, as an idol, uh, really. There's no live idol. There's nobody else to worship and to serve but God. And it, it, so there is no immorality, there is no paganism associated with a person who actually goes to a meal and eats the meat that has been offered to an idol. You see, they would be invited over to their neighbor's house for supper. Their neighbor is a pagan, and so he has meat that has been offered to idols. And the question was, should I as a Christian accept an invitation to my neighbor's house when I know he's going to offer beef? That just came off the, uh, the, the altar over there where they, where they had uh, worship service to some idol. And some people were saying, hey, we shouldn't do that. That's wrong to do that. And others were saying there's nothing wrong with it at all. And so the issue got started in the church. What's really right and what's wrong about what we do? And that becomes a dilemma. And you and I face it all the time trying to decide what we ought to do or ought not to do in our daily living. And some people will say, hey, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that. And others say, there's not a thing in the world wrong with that. So back and forth we go. You know, most of the divisions in the church are based upon that very issue as to what somebody thinks about some particular incident. I heard of a church who couldn't agree on the color of the carpet that would go in the building. One group wanted red carpet, and one group said they ought to have green carpet. And so you know what they did? They divided right down the middle. They put it right on one side. <laughs> Over stupid little things like that, people will, will disagree when, when it really means nothing in the long run at all. Why do we do such things? But there are more issues than, than just the color of carpets is what should I or should I not do as a Christian? 
And I, I'll use some things as illustrations throughout the, the, the message tonight and do not intend to use them as a point of passing judgment at all. The point is that Paul came down to a situation when he said there are some things you simply have to decide for yourself. There is no right or wrong about it. You can't say it's right or it's wrong. And that's what he said about eating meat. And it, it made it clear in the Living Bibles while I read from there. He said it really makes no difference whether you eat meat offered to idols or whether you don't. Those who, who abstain from eating the meat that was offered to idols are doing right. And those who eat the meat that was offered to idols are both doing right. There is no right or wrong in that particular incident. And uh, so he, he makes a, a good point that it is not our position as a Christian to criticize the actions of somebody else and say to them, they're doing wrong and I'm doing right. And if you don't do it the way I do it, you've got to be wrong because I'm right. Of course, nobody ever, as you know of, ever takes that attitude, do they? Isn't it strange that, that uh, the way to be right is to agree with me? And I have, uh, have said this uh, with tongue-in-cheek on a number of occasions. I know that he's a great man because he agrees with me. Uh, you know, uh, We feel like that we have a corner on right and wrong, and if, if anybody does it right, they will be agreeing with us. But oftentimes there are issues that we cannot be so clear-cut on as whether it is right or whether it is wrong because we cannot possibly go to the Bible and find a specific spot that says you shall not or you shall do thus and so. And so it leaves us with some decisions to make as to whether something is right or wrong in our life. Paul says if you believe it is wrong to do it makes you sin. Whether it's wrong or not is not the issue. It may be right, but if you think it's wrong and do it, you have sinned. He goes on to say that if you do something that your neighbor believes is wrong and you do it in front of him, you have probably placed a stumbling block in his way. It may very well be right, but if my neighbor believes that eating meat offered to an idol is wrong, but in his presence, I'm not going to eat that meat. It may very well be that uh, in, in a person's mind, they, well, let's just use as an illustration, the going to a movie. When I grew up as a kid, there was a big issue as to whether it was right or wrong to go to movies. And my pastor said it was a sin to go to movies. And my grandfather didn't like the idea either. And if I went to a movie, I had to sneak to do it. So that neither my pastor nor my uh, grandfather found me there. Uh, neither one of them would be there. I'll never forget, however, coming, uh, going into the late movie on one Saturday night to see a theater, and I saw my pastor coming out. <laughs> never have forgotten that. He, his face turned red, and he, as it should have, because he had been convincing me that this was wrong, and there he was. Well, we don't have any hard and fast answers on all these things. But there are some things that we can look at 
to help us determine if something is right or is wrong when we are trying to make a good moral decision as to how we ought to live. And I want, that's why I gave you the paper and the pen. And you can keep the pen and take it all with you. Uh, what I would like for you to do on that piece of paper is write down something in your life, in your mind, where there is a question. You think that probably there is nothing wrong with it, but there are other people who tell you it's wrong. Pick out one of those in your life and write it there. I don't care what it is, some, some issue that you have dealt with, and, and you say, I don't see anything wrong with it, and you've probably heard the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or your mom and dad or somebody say, hey, you shouldn't do that. And you come back and say, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Come up with an issue and write it. Write it on your paper. I'll give you a minute to do that while I'm uh, talking here, and then I want you to do something else with, with the paper that you've got. I'm sure that we all face those issues when there is nothing specifically addressed in the scripture as to whether it's right or wrong. For example, there is not a single thing in the Bible that speaks about smoking as far as I know. Is it right or wrong? And we'll have a disagreement on that issue real, real easily. Uh, it would be difficult, I think, for us to prove beyond a shadow of doubt that uh, the drinking of alcoholic beverages is specifically prohibited in the scripture. I think you'd have trouble finding that. And lots of other things. I'm just going to mention those two and add to give you a, a feel from where I'm coming. Now there are some ways for us to determine if something is right or wrong. I want to give you ten of them. If you want to put ten numbers down the side of your page, I want you to apply these tests to that statement that you just made. Yeah, all of you have your statement down. You've come up with the issue that's in your life, something that you don't see is anything wrong with, and somebody tells you there's something wrong. You've got it. But you think it's okay. We're going to put ten tests to your statement. Then after it's over with, see if you, uh, what you feel about it. Number one, put after number one, spiritual test. Just write those words. Now what I mean by the spiritual test is if you can find in the Bible a specific statement that says this is wrong, then it is wrong and there is no question about it. For example, it says that thou shalt not lie. There's no doubt that the Bible says we shall not lie. To lie is wrong because the Bible specifically says so. To commit adultery is wrong. The Bible specifically says so. To kill is wrong. And on and on we can go with the things that are specifically stated in the Bible to be absolutely wrong. Now, if you can't pass test number one with the statement you have made there, then for you to do that is wrong. The statement that you've written. You can't get about around that. Is the Bible clear on right or wrong on your statement? Does it say so? 
that it is wrong or that it is right. Now, if the Bible says what you have written is wrong, you don't have any choice in the matter. It's a sin to do it. Okay? If the Bible says it is right, then you have a choice in the matter that you should, you are able to do it. But Paul places the restriction upon it. If somebody else believes it is wrong, we ought not to flaunt our right to do it in their presence. Secondly, it's the prayer test. Can you ask God to approve of this particular thing that you have written? And if you did ask him, would he bless it? That's like saying, I don't see anything wrong in going here. The question is, would you take the Lord Jesus with you to that spot? If you do not think that you would take the Lord along, you'd better take another look at what you want to do because it's probably wrong. If you can't be comfortable in the Lord's presence in doing what you have written. Will God bless it? If God will bless it, in your mind and heart, God looks with approval upon what you have written, then it would be good. So that's the prayer test. Thirdly, let's put a personal test on it. P-E-R-S-O-N-E-L, personal test. The question here is, will this particular thing that you have in mind make you a better Christian? <coughs> will it cause you to be more like Christ if you do it? Or would it detract from your witness for Christ? Would you be less of a Christian if you did it? Or would you be more of a Christian if you did it? Uh, out of curiosity, since nobody knows what you wrote, how many passed test number one on the statements you wrote? <coughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You made everybody else flunked already? <laughs> how many of you passed test number two, the prayer test? Oh, come on. I will. Emma will make one up for you. He knows you pretty well. All right, we've got a few who passed test number two, the prayer test. How about the personal test? How many of you passed test number three on the personal test? Two? All right, now test number four is the social test. Will this act influence others to be better Christians? Or will, by my doing this particular thing, cause somebody else to stumble? That's the social test. How is my, uh, or what is my influence, or how will I influence somebody else? Will my influence cause them to be better, or will my influence by doing this cause them maybe to stumble? Okay. Let's say 
that I don't believe that there is a thing wrong, and I'll, since I've used smoking, I'll use that, that there's a thing wrong in smoking. That's, uh, this is a social test, number four. I'm going to use this as an illustration now, number four. But I smoke in the presence of these ten kids that are here tonight, and by my doing so, it... Will this improve them, them? Will they be more apt to be better Christians? Or will they begin to think, well, gee, there must not be anything wrong with that. And then somebody at school offers them one that's got a little dope in it. And they think, well, my mom, my dad, my pastor, my uncle, my so-and-so that I admire and respect and, and look up to are doing this. Therefore, it must be all right. I think I'll try that. And as a result of what I did in front of them, they fall, they stumble. Can I pass that test? Will what I am going to do improve these ten kids or maybe cause them to stumble? How, could I, how would I answer that on that, that test? What I do with relationship to somebody else, will it make them better? or will maybe cause them to stumble. Okay, five. Let's take a practical test. Just practical. The question is, what will the results be? If I do what I have written down, what will the results be? Will they be desirable results? Will the outcome be good or will the outcome be bad? Will I be producing happiness or unhappiness in me and in other people? What's going to be the outcome? We're going to be better or worse as a result of it. That's the practical test. Number six, the stewardship test. Stewardship. You know the word stewardship means that our responsibility to God with what he has given us. Will this act Help me fulfill God's plan for my life. Or will I be acting irresponsibly to God if I do it? Will my act fulfill God's plan for me? Or would I be going against God to do it? Because we're all responsible to God for our entire life. Number seven, we'll call this the universal test, universal. And the question is, what would happen if everyone in the world did what I want to do? Would we have a better community or would we have a worse one if everybody did it? You see, this is one of the arguments that kids use when they want to do something. Well, everybody does it. Sue, you surely never used that statement. I have said, used that statement, and my kids use that statement, and my grandkids will use that statement, and every generation use that statement. Everybody does it. Well, the fact is everybody does not do it. There are those who refrain from doing what mom said you can't do or dad, or somebody. 
But suppose everybody did it. What would be the outcome? What kind of community would we have? Suppose that I saw nothing wrong in picking up something that was laying there on the table in somebody else's hall. There was a quarter there. And as I went by, I just reached over and got it in my hand. And I said, well, he'll never miss it. He's got plenty of money. I only took a quarter. Suppose everybody in the world decided that that was the right way of acting. What kind of society would we have? And we're approaching that kind of society pretty quick, I think. Number eight is a very important one. It's the publicity test. I want you to listen to this one. Am I willing to let everyone know that I did it? You willing to open up and let everybody see? Dad and mom for you kids? The church? Would I blush if somebody found out about it? Would I be embarrassed? I think most of us probably do not desire to let everybody know about all those things that we don't see anything wrong with that we'd love to do. That's why the scripture tells us that that those who get drunk get drunk at night. Why? Because they don't want anybody to see them drunk. Those who steal, when do they do it? When do people break in houses? Not during the daytime, at nighttime most usually. When there's nobody around, it's uh, a little bit discouraging. Uh, we've gone home from church a time or two and found every light in our house on and the door open. Uh, somebody was there. As far as we know, nothing disappeared, but it does make one uncomfortable uh, when those things happen. And some of you have had uh, your home burglarized. I had my car completely stripped one time in Cleveland, and that's why I just won't go to Cleveland if I can stay out of that place. I'm afraid it'll happen again. We live in a society that does things when nobody's looking and wants to take from those who who, uh, have. Am I willing to let my life be opened up and everybody watch me do whatever you have written on your paper? If you can't do that, it's got to be wrong. Number nine is the missionary test. Will what I do help this church reach the people of this community and build a better program for Christ? Will it pass that one? You think, when did you throw well out of it? Starting to get some failures. I figured that eventually. Number 10 is the evangelistic test. Will people be saved by watching me do it? Will others come to Christ as a result of the life that I live? Or will they lose confidence in me, therefore lose confidence in my Savior? 
Well, the bottom line is, is it right or is it wrong? Paul says some of these things you're going to have to uh, come to a conclusion on your own because the scripture's not going to tell you that. But what I've tried to do this evening is, is give you ten things that can be applied to those actions. And if you come up with a no, you fail to test. Can't do it. You shouldn't do them. Now, granted, we're going to continue to do them. We're going to do, because we're human, we're going to do wrong things. We're going to believe that some things are right simply because we want to do them. We'll convince ourselves that we're right. When deep down inside us, we know that we can't pass the test. It's not right. It's wrong. And as Christian people, there is one out that I'm glad the Lord gave us and that is when we genuinely understand that we have done wrong in God's sight by our action we can be forgiven for it by seeking his forgiveness we can be but then it behooves us once we have sought forgiveness to try as best we possibly can to avoid doing that particular thing again in order that we not bring discredit upon the Lord. Let me close with this statement that Paul made in the 11th verse when he says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. We are responsible to God for our own action. It is not our responsibility to point fingers at others and say, hey, you're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. It's their responsibility to bow the knee before Christ and confess to God. It's our responsibility to live our life as best we possibly can to uphold and honor and show respect for Jesus Christ our Savior. Whether it is right or whether it is wrong, we should never do anything, even though it might be right, we should never do anything that would cause somebody else to stumble because they don't see it the way we do. So Paul said, if meat offered to idols is going to cause my brother to stumble, I'm not going to eat it. And I believe he meant that, and that's the way he acted and worked. So even though I might find myself right in many cases, if there is a person in my presence who believes otherwise, then my responsibility is to honor that person's belief and not do it, even though it might be right for me. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com 
sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.